Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is the 23rd of January It's icy in Chicago, so we are remote today, so we don't have to slide all over the roads. And it is, of course, day two of Cody Bellinger week for those that celebrate, which I know all of you do. Um, What was your favorite part of day one? uh, Friends we made along the way. Is that the correct answer? (laughs) It, it, It can be an answer. It qualifies, yeah. The closer we got to the 124 24. Yeah. At one twenty-four in the afternoon, one, maybe one. We're one day closer to the day that we're predicting. Yeah, that's right. It's, we're getting close. Uh, I believe that would actually be tomorrow. So we'll see. Uh, we got lots to talk about today. We've got a former Cub signing within the division with a rival. We've got uh, Cody Bellinger weekday two to talk about. We have another one of our sit-down interviews. If you haven't guessed yet, yes, it is Nick Madrigal. Uh, Ryan and I had a chance to talk to him at Cubs convention and we'll have some stuff that relates to Madrigal and the franchise and roster spots and all that stuff as well um, along the way. Don't forget to subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube page, best way to enjoy the experience. And of course, don't forget to sign up to be a diehard because diehard is where you get the diehard card, right? At all uh, CHGO.com. And you get access to Ryan's articles all year long. You get a free shirt every year, right? You get to pick a shirt. And uh, what else comes along with that? Well, the discounts to all the events, whether it's, you know, a takeover, whatever it might be, 20% off. You get 20% off the merch all year along with that uh, free shirt of choice for the year. The so make sure you sign up to do that. You get the Discord as well. Discord, all of it, yeah. Uh, so what did you think about uh, since yesterday's podcast? What did you think of Araldus Chapman? One year, $10.5 million to the Pirates. So now haters off the list, Chapman's off the list. I don't know if either one was ever even considered really by the Cubs. And uh, Stevenson, right, is the other one off the list. So yeah. three big names. What did you think about Chapman for one year to the Pirates? I just know that we're not thinking of it right now, but it will be annoying at some point <laughs> before the Pirates trade him at the deadline if they're out of it. Like for them, like from their perspective, it's a great move because, yeah, if they're out of it and he has a good year, there will be some desperate team out there that would probably 
you know, move a not like a top tier prospect considering how old he is at this point, but they would move a mid tier guy at the very least, I think, for him. And again, this is all based off if he has a good year or not. He wasn't even the closer for the Rangers last year. So, like, he's basically a high leverage late inning guy now at this point in his career. He's like him and Bednard now, the back end of the Pirates bullpen. It, it will be annoying, even though the Cubs are better than the Pirates at this point, even without Cody Bellinger, I still think it it will be annoying. And there will be one or two games where we're sitting on post game and we're like, fuck. So that's that's my immediate like my reaction to it is, you know, it's a nice move, but I don't think the Cubs are ever into it. And that's fine with me. Yeah, um, well, that's you know that's going to be you mentioned it, Cody. That's going to be a tough uh, back end of the rotate or back end of the bullpen in Pittsburgh with with Bednar and Chapman. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I think like just everything Cody just said is it's it's setting them up with obviously like Chapman had his best season since like 2019 last season with the Rangers and. Um, you know the they're setting them, yeah, and then the Royals. But um, you know he was huge for the Rangers down the stretch for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know setting themselves up for you know if they do if they are better if they compete um, in the division like then they have two, you know at least on paper like pretty awesome back end bullpen pieces to help them lock down games. Or if they're out of it, then yeah, they do have the, I mean, not, you know, they have the ability. I think David Bednar is only on a one year contract, if I'm not mistaken, too. So, like, they have two relievers, like, who may, you know, if, if they're out of it by the trade deadline, could probably fetch them a good price as long as they pitch well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good signing for the Pirates. As you said, I don't, I don't know whether the Cubs were really ever involved with Chapman or not. I don't believe so. Um, but it, it's, it's a, good addition for a division rival. And as far as kind of shoring up their bullpen for sure. Yeah. It's curious if it, you know, I saw uh, the Godfather, Michael Collada saying another closer down the drain. I am curious if it's a better move for the pirates than it would have been for the Cubs. Now, obviously they can afford 10 and a half million dollars for one year to have. Even if he's not the closer, even if Alzali was somehow still your closer with Chapman on the team and he was just like, Merriweather and Chapman leading up to it. It certainly helped your bullpen, right? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh wow. Oh jeez. Wow. You gonna live? <laughs> no. Good, Go ahead. Good thing we're good thing we're remote today. Yeah. I. Uh, you make a good point. <laughs> like it's it's it feels like a good move for the Pirates. I personally would have been pissed if they if they signed a role as Chapman personally, like at this point in his career, like the Cubs just aren't in a spot where it makes sense for them to sign. a guy. Like, I think the Pirates legitimately are signing this guy to potentially flip him. I, I, I don't Which see doesn't him. Make, it doesn't make sense for this part where the Cubs are at. Right? Exactly. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm, and it, if it was, I don't know. Five years ago, perhaps, of course, he was still under contract with the Yankees at that time. But like it, I. I just don't feel like it made a lot of sense for the Cubs ever. Like they, there's they, they can. I would I'd rather them give Hector Neris a multi-year deal than than go after old Aroldis Chapman at this point in his career. So, um, again, I'm not bothered by it, but I do know because I've watched Cubs baseball my entire life that he will annoy all of us at least once or twice. 
in the likely, 13 yeah. games and in, in, in one of the one or two of the 13 games that we that the Cubs will play against the Pirates and we'll sit here in the chat and the meatballs in the chat will be like oh we could have had him it's, it's just like bro I just don't think it's a it's not like the worst thing in the world that the Cubs can get him yes that I still think they need a middle reliever like they they need a reliever and so there's there's still some guys out there maybe they make a trade I know some people ask in the chat about the the uh, that tweet that was put out there by that random account that says, you know, the Cubs and the Mariners were talking trade for <laughs> Nick Magical, who we're going to talk about a lot today, but uh, that might involve a reliever. But I'm I, I'm not upset about not getting a role as Chapman. Like I, people, I think people who are upset about it still think he's the same guy that when he was with the Cubs in 2016. He just isn't. So it's not 2016 anymore. No, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I also it goes back. Oh no! Uh oh, Ryan! Oh no! Andy looks like he's picking his nose. Is that a pick or a scratch? Brody, I think I come oh. with it. Oh, oh, there you go. Okay, there he's yeah, back. he's back. I was gonna say that um, when it comes to the bullpen and the flexibility you have with options and stuff like that, Chapman is obviously a guy with no options. Like he's been in the league forever. Um, so if you're adding him to that bullpen, then you have five or six guys that don't. I have no ability to be moved up and down, which with the limitations on bullpens now makes it really tough, mm-hmm. makes it really tough to have a, have a bullpen that can last 162. So again, I, I don't know that, I, I don't know that that should necessarily stop teams from signing good players, but uh, that's not, that's definitely something you have to uh, <laughs> worry about. Uh, I'm, not, Gary, I'm not picking my nose bar. Gary, uh, it froze, it froze on a scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. It, it, <laughs> right there. Gary says that I'm referring to him as some people. I thought there was more than just Gary. I'm sorry. If it was just Gary who brought up the magical rumors with the Mariners, I apologize. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so anyways, you know, I, I think, I do think it's a better move for the pirates. I think it's okay that they didn't get him. I do think that Bednar and Chapman for way less money than Hader for 95 million or whatever seems like a pretty good deal for, for Pittsburgh for sure. Mm-hmm. But like Cody was saying, I don't think the flipping, they, the Cubs should be past the idea of, Hey, we're getting this guy and we flip him. If they're talking about thinking in their heads about flipping guys at this point at the trade deadline, like, Hey, we could still get some of this back and get this. Then we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble if they're thinking about flipping a guy at this point. So, um, I still think the now Pirates... I wouldn't be against them adding him at the trade deadline if he has a good season. I wouldn't be against them if they were making a big playoff push to be like, "Hey, let's go get Chapman and give up a single A player, double A player, done." You know, whatever it might take. But I don't need him right now. I, and I'm not trying to like completely say that the Pirates are going to be bad this year. I I don't think that. If you watch yesterday's show, I think that they will be. A competitive team because I think this division is getting better, but it's just you look at where their rosters at right now and what they've done this offseason. It's just kind of like it on paper, at least. It just looks like they like he signed with them with the idea of probably being moved at the trade deadline. And you know, if I'm wrong, if we, then I think we'll all be pretty surprised. Yeah. You know? So. I agree. Uh, hey, it is day two of Cody Bellinger week here at CHGO Cubs. Um, we are predicting that this is the week that Cody Bellinger signs with the Cubs. Most likely on the 24th tomorrow at 124 on 124 at 124 
we expect number 24 to probably <laughs> sign with the Cubs. That's when the announcement is likely coming. That's our prediction. That's, so that's well, until, until he does that's, sign. That's your declaration. Until he does sign. And, and we know Ryan doesn't want it, um, <laughs> but uh, he's declared he doesn't want him. Uh <laughs> We do want to say something nice about Cody Bellinger each day for Cody Bellinger week. Yesterday, my thing was, I said, I appreciated, I thought it was very admirable the way he approached two strike at bats uh, in a contract year when he wasn't just swinging for the fences and empty numbers. And, you know, he, at, he was trying to help the team and I hope other players followed him. Second thing I would say is today for day two, I don't know that defensively, other than maybe Dansby, that there's a more valuable guy that you could be adding back to your roster when you sign him on 124 at 124. The guy allows you in center field to have a gold glove player in center field and ease in your number one prospect. And when he's ready, then you can move him over to first base where maybe Michael Bush will be just, just great and all that stuff, but then could go to dh for a couple years i'm just saying it doesn't matter where you play him defensively he could play any of the outfield spots he can play first base and any of those four positions he most likely gives you gold glove quality defense that makes you that much better so i i know everybody's worried about he wasn't a good player and then he was and, and all the stuff like it was one good season after a couple bad ones yeah, but you're not looking at him as an, as an all-around player. I know the money is coming because he's a left-handed bat, but don't forget, even if he has a couple seasons that are down from what he was last season, defensively what he gives you is something really special at four different positions. So that's my nice thing to say about Cody Bellinger on day two of Cody Bellinger Week here on CHGO Sports. Uh, my nice thing is that he has a great first name. That's I, that's what that's I got. That's nice. That's a nice thing to say. That's very yeah. very kind yeah. of you. Humble. I mean, you, you also said a lot and of kind. what I would have said too. So like, I don't. Oh, I, I didn't mean to take it. I well, should. Take, you're taking a lot away from what I could have said, but yeah. there is one thing for sure. He has a great first name. Tomorrow, I let I like I think we let you guys go first. Maybe not Ryan because Ryan doesn't want him. But is there something you can still say no, nice, Ryan, about Cody Ballinger? Yeah, hold on. I'm trying. I'm I'm looking for this quote from Jed Hoyer that I could just read word for word, but I can't find it. Um. No, listen, like, yeah, you got to let me go first next time. You're, you're taking the things I, I'm going to say. Okay. Um, what here, here's something we haven't talked about is his leadership in the locker room. Bingo. There you go. His leadership mm. in the locker room. It's something he's there for one year and realistically it's more like seven, eight months. Right. Um, but you listen to everyone. Like there's a reason all those guys are saying like, we need to resign belly. We want Cody back, stuff like that. I think besides just his, play on the field and um just you know even just the the, the personality off the field it's like he, i think he took a real you know leadership role even if it's not the most vocal person in the locker room um you know so, somewhere where he the, like players like that too like I, we talked to pete Carr armstrong at cubs convention and you know one of the things he was talking about how that like his first day up in the big leagues or one of his first days up in the big leagues last september that he said, you know, Cody Bellinger, I never saw him take BP because, you know, he would always hit inside or whatever. But that the first day he was up, he spent 30 minutes outside talking to Pete Carr Armstrong just about whatever they were talking about, right? It's it's one of those things where he may not be the most outspoken person. He may not be the most vocal leader, but I, I do think he's someone that 
given all the experience he's had in the big leagues, the ups and the downs, that he's someone that is willing to take guys under his wing or give advice or just have conversations with. And, and I think that's important in a clubhouse when we're talking about culture and building chemistry and stuff like that for, for a team that's, you know, relatively young, or at least just as far as this rebuild goes, like they're still working their way up. Um, so I think with Cody Bellinger, that's, that's a big piece is the kind of leadership qualities he brings um, to a team trying to make it. Born to to run 99 has a great comment that maybe we should be saving for ideas for nice things to say tomorrow, but it's so good. We got to point it out. Something not mentioned enough about belly. He's an extremely smart base runner. Good one. Yeah. That is good. That's solid. Anybody else speed. have something nice to say? Didn't he, didn't he steal like 20 bases last year? Probably something like that. Yeah. It was close. Uh, I, I think, I think one of those things is he, uh, his ability to read the ball in the outfield and turn those singles into doubles, even if they're not pulling guys create like far, like those ones that would pull the center fielder a little bit more towards right field. Mm-hmm. And he just turned the burners on and, and more often than not was making it to second base and turning it into a hustle double. So that's, that's a big part of it too. He reminds me of Chris Bryant on the bases a little bit. He was an kind underrated of the, you know, the long legs, tall, but not – he doesn't look like he's flying, but he's fast and he's smart and he doesn't seem to run into outs a lot. So that, that is a good one. Uh, okay, we got Nick Madrigal coming up. I know a lot of you want to talk about the quote-unquote rumors out on the internet today, uh, and we will play some of the interview. But first, I do want to hear from Cody about our friends at Circus Sportsbook. Uh, Circus Sportsbook. Uh <laughs> Don't listen to my gambling advice anymore. I've lost 14 of my last 15 college basketball bets. It's brutal. Shout out to Quinnipiac for the one that I've won. Uh, but, you know, the roller coaster, it's always the fun part, right? And I do it on Circus Sportsbook. And there's always those three reasons that I give you guys why I love it. And the first reason is the tight money line splits. Uh, the games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use minus 115 or minus 120 splits. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. Circus Sports does not limit players based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. They actually encourage bettors to download and explore other sports betting apps available so they can compare the lines from each sports book. So, uh, and then I, I really emphasize this the most. It's the chat bots. I really hate them, but Circa doesn't use them. Credit to them. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circa Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, text GAMB to 833-234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. And after you you know, go ahead and, and check out Circa Sportsbook, you also need to check out Midtown Athletic Club. Midtown's got four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Bill- Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine actually launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. So coming up soon. Uh, And it's also Midtown is offering no initiation fees this January at their Bannockburn Palatine and Willowbrook locations. They got something at the club for everyone, single people, families with kids, people looking to make lifestyle changes, holistic wellness, 
Uh, Midtown Chicago is, is the nicest fitness club I've ever been in. And if you go ahead on our CHGO Sports YouTube, uh, Instagram or maybe YouTube as well and check out our, uh, our the content we shot at Midtown, you'll probably get that same feeling, the nicest fitness club you'll ever see. Um, it's got cool club features, super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas and premium amenities, amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs, a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week included in the membership. And they're not just gym quality. The spaces are boutique quality. They got the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball and paddle tennis. It's USTA professional quality all the way. And I got to tell you, the CHGO Bears and the Chicago Sports Podcast will be filming live from Midtown Bannockburn on Thursday, the 25th. You got that right. This Thursday, the 25th. Guests of the show are complimentary at Midtown and Bannockburn that day. So go check out the space and catch our shows. Head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. Maybe we could get Cody Bellinger to go over there after his introductory uh, press conference with the Cubs at Wrigley Field uh, on Thursday. You know, Wednesday he makes the big signing on 124-24 sure. and then, you know, heads over. Barb, you never Barb, know. Barb, he, she just... She just is. She just knows everything about what I'm doing at the gym, man. <laughs> Credit to her. Bench press. She knows it all. She just. She just the knows bears. it all. <laughs> yeah, the Bears. Uh, okay, Gary wants to talk about. He also mentioned the breaking news. Yeah, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo Nash. to the Nationals. There it is. Breaking news. Gary Ross broke the news. Ding 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 ding. He's the and one. Adrian Griffin fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. How about oh, really? That? Yeah. Bulls fired. legend. Old legend fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. Things not going well enough. Uh, All right. So Nick Madrigal, do we want to – let's hold off on the rumor part because the rumor, I believe, is just – it's one person on Twitter saying, hey – From like a parody account or whatever. Yeah, right. right. This would be a good place. I don't know if – This is where we're at in the offseason. I don't know (laughs) if he even qualifies as a rumor. It just qualifies as a tweet. No offense to whoever's running that account, but it's like you don't really have any – No offense whatsoever. We'll wait on Sarah. Optimistic we'll Cubs fan at Hot Stove Cubbies. You're welcome for the uh, – we just endorsed you there. That's right. Credit uh, here's here's the first thing I want to say because I know that an interview with Nick Madrigal is going to draw mixed reviews just based on our live YouTube chat because people uh, associate him, one, with the Kimbrel trade, not naming names, and, and then I know that people uh, sometimes – either it, it's it's not a love hate but it's it's a it's a like dislike right it's it, there aren't too many people that are down the middle with Nick Madrigal getting playing time for the Cubs um I Brandon want you to know him. this he's a super nice guy right like yeah. take take the baseball out of it so before you make any crazy comments today note that he's one of the nicer guys we've ever talked to Period. Like, There'll be the crazy comments regardless, but sure. I'm just letting you know, nice guy. That's that's the first positive. Now, the second thing that I believe he did very well that we started our conversation with him at Cubs convention is he learned how to play third base. And frankly, I had no idea he could do it. And not only did he do it, he did it at a very high level. So that's where we start part one of our conversation with Cubs infielder Nick Madrigal. Uh, Sarah's going to play it for us, and then we'll talk a little bit. We've got three different parts for this interview. This is part one with Nick Madrigal. Here with Cubs infielder Nick Madrigal. And Nick, uh, 
first of all, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, I think one of the more impressive things that happened on an individual basis last season was what you did defensively at third base. How much had you played prior to that? Like, it sounded like you hadn't played a lot and your offseason was full of it. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yeah, going into the spring training, um, you know, they kind of gave me a heads up that their base might be, you know, one of the only spots that maybe I can get some time at. And uh, before that, you know, I hadn't played any third base at all. You know, um, it was something new to me, you know, so I immediately in the off season, you know, had an idea that that might be the case. So um started watching tons of film and just guys around the league and uh, just tried to study as best I could. And uh, once I got on the field and started taking reps, figuring it out for myself, um, you know, I started getting more and more comfortable over there. But I mean, it was it was a work in progress, especially in the beginning, you know, it felt really awkward at first, you know, the footwork, the angles, everything was completely different. So um, it was completely new to me. But um you know, a lot of credit to the staff for helping me along with that. You talk about the, the differences, obviously, like going from second base to third base. Uh, just what what was the biggest challenge or the biggest change that you had to make to be able to, to make that adjustment? You know, I think it's the the ball off the bat that the first couple hops and the angles, um, it, it's just completely different. You know, usually in the middle infield, you're able to, you know, see the ball land, kind of read the hops and get, you know, the angle. But at third base, it's a lot faster you got to make uh you know a quick decision the the first step is huge you know that's something we really focused on was my pre-pitch before the balls even hit is being ready to to fire out of the first step you know so i'm able to get that hop or the short hop or things like that but um you know it's crazy you know it comes down to a split second of you know if i'm not down ready to field the ball you know i might be late for a step but um it's just a a lot of little things that you know fans don't see behind the scenes but um yeah, I would say that was one of the biggest things, getting my pre-pitch um, on time for when the balls hit. Yeah, because like one of those things is even just like, instead of watching the pitch, you're you're facing, you're looking at home plate instead of where you could do that. You could watch the pitcher at second base, you can't do that. Yeah, I'd said that in the past. You know, one of the things um, in the middle infield, you're able to kind of watch the ball go into the zone and kind of read it a little bit better because it's all in front of you, you know. But um, at third base, it's really, you watch the pitcher, he's about to throw, and then you're locked in on you know kind of the front of the zone if he's out in front or if it's a lefty you know in in the back of the zone you know so you got to kind of switch up your sights um from third base and almost anticipate um you know if luckily this year or last couple years we're able to have the pitch comms in our hats so we kind of know if there's an off speed what kind of hitters there um you know if they're going to be out front um so that helps a lot but um yeah just different things to focus your sights on at third base uh, two-parter uh, any anxiety over that as you're getting ready to start doing it and then how many hours a day if, if it is every day that you're working on it like how much time do you have to put in on it to not just be a a, a third baseman but to play third base at the major league level at a high level yeah I mean to be completely honest there's tons of anxiety especially in the beginning you know spring training at the beginning of the year just you know it helped to get more and more innings under my belt but I mean especially in the beginning I felt still uncomfortable over there i remember our first couple games in spring training they they wanted to see you know how i could do it on my own so they kind of just threw me out there and just (laughs) let's see what you got and then we'll start coaching you but i didn't know where to stand i was kind of almost making it up you know we we went into some different shifts and i had no idea so you know i'm kind of looking at dansby looking at my position just kind of trying to almost wing it you know and uh 
as I started getting more and more innings, more balls hit to me, you know, I started to settle in a little bit. I felt like the game started slowing down on the defensive side a bit. But um, I mean, even throughout the year, I mean, I was out there saying prayers, just trying to stay calm, you know, it's just, it was so much different. And uh, luckily it went all right out there, but um, yeah, it's still, it's still a work in progress, but I felt like towards the end of the year, I, I felt more comfortable out there. That's pretty unbelievable. A major league baseball player telling you how difficult, not only how difficult and how much, how difficult it was and how much time he put in on it, but he's saying prayers out at third base. Say, please don't let this go bad. Please don't. I mean, that's the, that's the human side of it. The guy putting everything he has in to try and be an everyday major leaguer. And, you know, he saw a spot at third base. And the way I look at it is this, there's multiple guys in this organization that are either trying to break in or stay or both, right? They're, and they're all looking for positions. And I'm and I'm, I'm talking to you, Christopher Morell. I'm talking to you, maybe Owen Casey, based on, you know, the pictures from Rich Biesterfeld. There, there's multiple guys out there that are looking for a position to play and trying to find ways to get on this roster and earn playing time. Nick Madrigal just gave you the blueprint on how to do it. Now, he may have to do it again this offseason, right? Yeah. I mean, I always thought as, as frustrating as a player he can be, because this this is why fans either love him or hate him, right? Is He doesn't hit for power. What, hit two home runs last year? And he doesn't walk a ton. So he has to hit 300 if he's going to be an everyday player at the very least. And the thing is, is he's basically shown his best value coming off the bench he's a great bat off the bench when you need a guy to just put the ball in play because his contact rate is among the highest in the league um i the fact that he has he can do that and now can play third base at a high level i think on a good team he really does bring a lot of value like if the cubs trade him and they trade him to a team that has been winning i wouldn't be surprised if you know he ends up having a better career wherever that is it's just the Cubs are in a spot right now where they're trying to figure out who this next core of players are going to be to help them win. And I just don't think he's played well enough to earn a starting position. I mean, that said, since we don't know what the Cubs feel with Morrell at third base, it feels like Madrigal could start opening day at third base if they don't sign a Matt Chapman or sign someone else, right? Like, I think that depending on how they feel about Matt Shaw plays a big part in, in, you know, maybe magical being that bridge, but to bring it back around, like he's, he's done everything he can to, to stay in the majors. Right. Cause I remember going to last year, it was like make or break for him. Like he had had injury problems. He had only been able to play at second base and, you know, the base running, I feel like is the one thing for sure that he could probably improve on. But I again, the defense was one thing that you can't sit here and say that he's bad at anymore. Like he he was really good defensively at third base last year, uh, a position that he learned how to do in an offseason. Um, so it's just to me with him, it's always just been about like the role. Like to me, he's not a starting player on a on a really good team. He's a really solid bench piece that can come off the bench and give you a quality at bat when you need, when you got guys on base and less than one out, like, or less than two outs. And like, I think there's value there. So it, it, to me that that's like the, 
the most fair way you can, you know, explain Nick Madrigal. So yeah, I, the fact of going through the the process of learning how to third when, uh, play third base is it's interesting because some people just think, oh, you can just they're after major major league players, they're athletes, you can just stick yeah. o- stick them over there and they'll figure it out. It's like that's a hard position to play, especially for someone like him at his size. This, yeah, so. yeah, I. Uh... I think it is impressive that he was able to do it and do it at a positive level considering I don't know if anyone outside of the Cubs organization really thought it could work. It thought it felt like a way to, Hey, if you can do this, you'll be able to stick around in the majors. Otherwise, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so it was impressive to see him learn the position and have a positive impact at there overall. I mean, he's not making, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado type plays, you know, going into the foul territory. He's not doing that. And, you know, he's, he, I mean, that Brendan posted the video the other day of him having to like, like the curl hop from third base, which to me, an out's an out. So, like, whatever. Uh, but uh, it, it does look a little funky, but an out's an out. Right. But I think, and just kind of to Cody's point is, you know, he doesn't walk a lot, doesn't hit for power, which means, the average has to be high. He has to hit for a high average. He makes he makes a lot of contact, and that's great for a bat um, for for what they're asking him to do. He makes a lot of contact. I think it was like ninety two percent contact rate last year, which is great. Um, but he's got he's got to hit for a better average. Maybe you know maybe do some of that uh, turning singles into doubles type thing to get the slug up a little bit more. But um, that's what he's got to do. He hasn't done it at a great level with the Cubs. A reason the last two years, like his WRC plus has been solidly below league average, um, and the injuries are are real. The, the hamstring, right? He ended his season this last year again. Um, so there, there's a reason going, even going into this season, even after seeing him have success playing third base that we said, the best case scenario with how the roster is currently constructed is Christopher Morrell learning how to play third base consistently well and can take that over full time. Like that, that's the reason we said that because that's probably gives the, the Cubs their best chance at putting out their best lineup. Um, like Cody said, we don't we don't know if Morel's done that, but from what we've heard, uh, even just what's changed over the last couple months, uh, it doesn't sound like he's proven that. Um, and based on his offseason work, so he's got work to do if he ever wants to do that. Um, so yeah, I can see Madrigal starting as the opening day third baseman without you know assuming they don't make any additions. Uh, but on a on a good team, I think he he's got a role. You know, he's he's a guy that. Again, he, he's had success playing third base, which is impressive. We know he can play second base. When Nico Horner is out, he's usually the guy that fills in there if it's not Morel. Um, on, on this team, if this team is going to be a, a World Series contender anytime in the near future, like Nick Madrigal could still have a role. He's probably not starting in that role unless you know injuries happen. But uh, I do think the ability to make contact at a high clip, um, the ability to – if he can increase the average, obviously – uh, maybe increase get take a couple more walks, whatever. But I, I think he's got a role on this team. I don't I don't think he's going to be starting for uh, a real contender, but um, he's someone that can someone that can play a role and and have some sort of positive impact for the Cubs when they get to that level. And and yeah, that's that's kind of the way I look at him. I don't I don't see him as the starting third baseman for a World Series team, but he's I think he's got a role somewhere in there. I could see him fighting with uh, Jake Slaughter for playing time, but we we will wait on that, uh, Gary. Sorry, I think you guys I think you guys nailed it. You know, if, if he's going to make last year, it was an obvious huge step, right? He he does the defensive thing. He he goes to third base. He learns it to try and get the playing time. 
This year, if he's trying to get the roster spot in the playing time, I think it's more of a uh, buffet of improvements that he has to make, right? I don't think there's something obvious. I don't, even though we noticed that he is bigger when he showed up, like he's put on, he's put on some size uh, in, in, in like chest and stuff. Like he's, he's a bigger dude than he was before. He's not any taller, but he's, he's, he's a bigger guy. I don't think he's going to go out and hit 15 home runs. No, could be wrong, but we'll see. Um, but <laughs> I'm asking for five. That's right. that's all but, I'm asking for. This. I'm asking. What for could five. He, he could do exactly what you said, Cody. He could improve himself and turn himself into a good base runner, and you know that that's one thing he could do. Mm-hmm. Ryan's pointing out the batting average. I'd like to see those doubles into the right field corner for him. And it's just kind of a it's kind of a combination of improving a lot of different things, other than learning another position at this point yeah. it, it, in my eyes. So, but I think the biggest one is what Ryan pointed out in our next segment here. And that is staying healthy. Like he also has to be available. And that is yeah. one of the biggest things. So uh, Ryan picks up the interview here asking exactly about that, his health. And speaking of the end of the year, obviously the injury um, in September, how are you feeling right now? Are you, are you kind of where you need to be as far as the off season goes? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, it's getting into the weight room and um, I, I've lifted with the same guy for the last couple of years, Spencer Tatum and Scottsdale, and he's been incredible. You know, we've compared different um, data and, you know, scores from, you know, from strength training to jumps to everything from this year to last year. And I mean, I'm way past where I was last year at the beginning of the year and just we're able to do so much more. My hamstring's not sensitive anymore. We're able to, you know, explode and do things. And I feel like even towards the end of the offseason last year, I was still feeling it a bit. It's just one of those things. It's going to take a couple of years for the hamstring to fully heal. And I feel like, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're past all of it. There's no sensitivity. There's, you know, I'm able to kind of get out of bed and there's no, you know, tightness or anything like that. So, I mean, we're in a really good spot right now. That has and, to be a relief, right? Huge relief. Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought you know, a couple years playing on it, you know, and just it being tight and sensitive, I thought maybe it might be this way forever, you know, but going through this off season, it's, I, I've learned that I'm able to get back to a normal hamstring and just feel normal again, you know, and uh, it's taken a lot of work and different things, you know, from eating different foods to lifting different ways and a lot of information, but um, we're in a really good spot right now. Yeah. And, and I, I- it being like something that you've dealt with before, obviously like makes it, you said like, is this going to be like this forever? Um, But then on the flip side of it, the timing of the injury in September, you know, Cubs are making this run, trying to make the playoffs uh, and you get hurt and you go down and ultimately your season's over. Uh, Just kind of what's going through your head in that moment or just throughout that, that stretch of time where you want to be out there, but you can't. Yeah, it was tough. You know, as that's why you play and train the offseason for exciting baseball like that in the hunt, you know, important games, every pitch counts. And, uh, you know, it's tough, especially mentally. You know, I tried to just stay positive and I was hoping we got into playoffs and maybe I was going to be back that first week or second week. And I was just hoping, but um, we were playing some really good ball when I went down. I felt good, you know, in the box on defense and just, I mean, it, it did suck just to, to not be in there for the team and, uh, but um, I, I know this team. We got a good group here. We're looking forward to this year, and hopefully, we get right back where we need to be. And uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll be in there. I've been asking everybody this. You feel like division champs is something that you're you're locked in on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see why not. I think that's uh, you know, 
everything we did last year, we can build off of that. We got we added a couple guys, and um, I think this group can do some special things. I know that's not the only goal set on, you know, only goal in mind, but um, I mean, it's a good one to start with. Speaking of adding a couple guys, obviously the Imanaga signing kind of kicked off this week earlier. Um, Two parter, just what was what was your reaction? Obviously, when he did sign and and seeing his first press conference the, uh, yesterday, uh, but also like that time in between between the council hiring and then Imanaga, you someone that kind of gets antsy, just kind of waiting to see what the front office does. You know, I think it's more just excitement to see guys added to the roster. Cause I mean, if, if we're going to go um, where we want to go, it, it's going to take everyone all hands on deck, you know, and that's from the minor leagues to new signings to, you know, top to bottom. And uh, we got some great, you know, talent added to the roster. I mean, council is a great manager you know um so i think it's all coming together you know i was watching you know the guys we acquired and just uh more excited about you know um and just ready to get to spring training um i think it's an exciting time to be a cubs fan and in the cubs locker room and uh you can see we're building something special over here what's your relationship like with craig council now i mean he was on the other side before he was he was the arch enemy he was darth vader over there Yep. Um, you know, I've spoken to him a couple of times and he seems like a great guy. I mean, I think everyone knows across the league how much, you know, knowledge he has, not only from the coaching side, but when he played. And I mean, he's been around the game forever. He's been on winning teams. And, uh, you know, I think everyone knows he, he, he has the information, has, you know, the experience to take us where we need to go. So everyone's excited over here. So we'll talk more with Nick Madrigal in a second. We just uh, briefly touched there on his new manager, Craig Council. Uh, you know, hopefully he's, hopefully he's healthy because that's going to be a key for his season. No question about it. That's, that's step one in him earning more playing time this year. Uh, guys, I want to tell you about our partner, Ray Chevrolet ringing in the new year with their best offers all month long. Make your way to Ray Chevrolet on route 12 and Fox Lake to join in on the savings and start your Ray resolution. One of the top selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest. You're always able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories, Right now, they're trying to make room for their inbound 2024 models, so their current inventory must go. Plus, you can find the perfect tailgate vehicle at Ray Chevy because they have over 100 new Silverados available right now. Prices starting at $19,495. That's $19,495. Or take up to $10,000 off a new 2023 Silverado. And to top it all off, they're pricing over 125 vehicles under twenty grand. Where do you find a car for that now or a truck? Seriously, guys, can pricing get more affordable than that? Don't forget, free oil change. All you have to do is mention CHGO when you schedule your oil change right now at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. Start your new year off right. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com to start your new Ray resolution. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. Wow. Have you guys noticed that it's getting easier for businesses now to switch to electric vehicles? That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it, Cody. Yeah, I just realized it uh, stuck. The electric grid is evolving to meet our, our cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do, Cody Del Mendo? Well, Luke Stuckmeyer, Brian Herrera, the chat, you're all so interested, I promise you. You got to go to comed.com slash clean. 
there where you can learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business. Good for the planet. Good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? I did, Stuck. Go now and see how many how going electric connects connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Almost fumbled the bag there, but poor yeah. Ryan's face gets covered up on that ad. But it's worth it to save the planet. Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. I like the uh, I like right the, gla- the glasses removal. Like dramatic you effect. You like that? Dramatic it's a little extra emphasis go. to the line. Yeah. I thought I'd bring a little character to it today. You know, I felt like the Dang new it. character had to move into the show. Um, <laughs> That's right, Alex. Luke DiCaprio. That's I've been called that many times. Sometimes people say Pitt, Luke Pitt, but that's another. Yeah, at, at least four-time Emmy winner. Luke's that's right. Knows, he knows how to get the job done. Uh, all right, so Nick Madrigal. I believe the last segment we keep talking with him is more about his time with Craig Council. And if you will, when we get to the tight shot of Madrigal, make sure you pay attention. My cup is sitting on a chair in the background. Here's Nick Madrigal. <laughs> Uh, with CHGO Sports. I had uh, talked to Justin and he said that he was actually like in Arizona working out when, when the news came that uh, you guys were hiring, hiring counsel. Um, what, what were you doing? What was your reaction when you got that news? Yeah, I mean, I was a uh, similar thing. I was, I think I was working out also and someone had told me I didn't even see the news break and, uh, you know, it was, I don't think, you know, to be honest, anyone saw it coming, but once the news came out, you know, I think, I, I mean, there's a lot of excitement, you know, to get someone like that, you know, um, with his degree and just, you know, and again, the knowledge he has in the game, you know, it's exciting um, to bring him over here. And uh, yeah, so I, I was excited when I heard it. I almost, you know, didn't see it coming. But, um, you know, after the news broke, just, uh, you know, excited to talk to him, get to know him better. Full circle. You went, you learned third base last offseason. You had this clear goal on your on your page, like, this is what I want to do this offseason what do you want to do individually this offseason or what have you been working on specifically that you think will translate to that same type of success in 24 yeah I mean I think it's just getting my body ready to go and to withstand a full season you know I think uh like I said I mean I'm feeling the best I've I've felt I feel like I'm trying to add strength for later in the season and just uh, that's one of my main focuses is to keep the strength on throughout the year so towards the end of the year my legs are you know underneath me and I'm able to run and do different things. Um, but I mean, I'm just focused on getting ready for spring training, doing, trying to do everything I can for this team. You know, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I mean, there's still tons of, you know, a lot of time before spring training, but, um, you know, I'm just focused on trying to get my body ready and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously at, at, a, at a thing like this, at Cubs convention, you get to see th- this side of the Cubs fan base. Um, and everyone talks about how great Cubs fans are. You guys on the team do it a lot. You have the unique perspective of someone that also played on the other side of town. So I guess my question is just the city itself, Chicago. What does this city become for you? What, what does it mean to you having spent um, your whole career on either side of town? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been awesome. I, I will say it's uh, both sides of it. I mean, it's one of the most special places to play at Wrigley Field. There's an, you know, a different field. I mean, I remember when I first came over, someone told me, actually it's Cody Hoyer. He was with the White Sox when we were in the same trade and uh, talking to him, he, he said, uh, you know, I wasn't playing yet. He said, Wrigley Field feels like just the happiest place in the world. You know, when you feel the fans on top of you 
after a win, singing the, you know, the song and just, uh, it's such a happy place and, uh, we feel it on the field, you know, in the locker room and, uh, it is a special place. The city of Chicago, you can feel how passionate the fans are for a winning team, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to be here and, uh, it's been awesome the last couple of years to stay in Chicago. Hopefully it's a happy place a lot this season and and you're a big part of it. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Thank you guys. Appreciate Fantastic. it. I mean, really thank thankful for his time. He was very, um, engaging, right? Like that's all you mm-hmm. want from an interview when you're doing an interview with somebody, you just want the person to be engaged in the interview and feel like yeah. they're actually part of the conversation instead of just asking questions and getting a bunch of cliches. I think he was honest. He was engaging and you know, we, we blew it. I blew it. How did we not follow up with was the greatest moment of your life hitting a home run against the White Sox? That, that was the, that was the clincher question, right? You, that was you the had one. the opportunity for the last question and you just, went I know right I, I, Thank I can't you for your time. I, blew it. I saw people in the chat talking about, it. I'm like, how didn't, how didn't we just mic drop it and be like, and, and wasn't it great to hit a home run against the White Sox, drop the <laughs> mic, walk off and let him answer the question. That's how it we could have tweeted it out and got White Sox Twitter all bothered. And yeah, Sean you know, Herb. Sean Herb. Herb would have continued to tell us about how awful he is and how Sean says the same thing. Like, and then yeah. we, would, we would have we would have told Herb that Nick was the fourth best shortstop or the third best shortstop in Chicago last year. Yeah. Season. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Probably uh, still is. I don't know how good Paul DeYoung is at this point in his life. Right. Potentially. Ryan, Ryan takes some of the blame, though, because he was in the room. He, a good teammate could have picked me up and said, all right, let's finish it here. Well, was I going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Stuck. Whoa, hold on. Like, smack you on the mouth. How about the homer and, against and the Sox? I would have remembered to ask sure. if I would have sure. been allowed to go in there. So can't blame me. Sure. I, I'll take like 5% of the blame on that one. Credit to you. And uh, the and then five more percent goes to Sarah because oh, the cup, yeah, distra- Sarah. cup distracted me. Cup exactly. Uh, the, the cup was the distracting chair. everybody the entire interview. Uh, <laughs> no, I want I wanted to touch on something that Nick said during the second part of this interview the, okay. about the hamstring yeah. and like even talking about like going into this season like a couple of years removed from from the the main hamstring injury and talking about how. You know, still thinking like, is this going to be how it is forever? Like he's getting out of bed um, and still can kind of feel it a little bit like that kind of stuff like that. I think mentally for a, a professional baseball player, that's got a way on on someone like that. Just wondering, like, am I am I ever going to be able to play at my highest level with this in the back of my mind? I think that's also something that we, we don't really think about when it comes to the mental size. Like you have he has this big injury so it was a, a proximal hamstring tear so it was a pretty big injury um and then he's sitting here two years later still wondering like is it ever going to be fully healed am i ever going to feel a hundred percent i think that's 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 definitely something that i don't know that that that, like i listen to that and i'm like that's definitely something that has to weigh on a guy that's trying to you know he's trying to keep his job in the major in major league baseball um and and that just having that in the back of his mind I, I wanted to point out something he said at the end. I guess he didn't say it, but he was talking about uh, – he's like, oh, there's there's still a lot of time, obviously, before – when I was asking him about what he can improve on. To me, in his mind, he's thinking the same thing that everybody in the chat is thinking. If my opportunity isn't here with the Cubs, it might end up being with another major league team. Uh, because, he, like Cody had said, he's got a skill set that is valuable to a certain team. Maybe it's the Cubs this season. Maybe it's another team. The 
rumor or whatever you want to call it, the tweet where somebody was talking about Seattle. I don't know any, I don't know if there's any basis to that whatsoever, but I think they're not the only team that would be looking for a contact guy, not with a big contract that can be their utility player to back up a lot of infield positions to be their master bony. If it's not master bony or madrigal, whoever it might be. Um, I don't think it's, unthinkable that we could get to spring training he has a good spring and they still think you know what we could package him in this and we might get something else back that might be just as useful what do you think the odds are that madrigal's on the roster at the end of the season at the end of 2024 yeah i'd say it's 50 50 right now only because like i want to go lower but i think i just think jed hoyer loves this kid so um, I think it's a 50% chance, but I don't have any basis behind it. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just feel like Jed Hoyer loves this kid and he understands where that, the value that he brings, like we're kind of talking about, but you know, I, if they trade him now for a reliever, I'm not going to expect this reliever to be game changing based off what we've seen from Nick Madrigal. So then why, why move him? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm not buying into it. If it happens great, like I'll look up the guy's fan graphs page and see what they see, what maybe the Cubs are seeing. I, I don't know. I just, I don't see it happening uh, just because if there is one thing that the Cubs have right now that I think we all feel good about is they have a good depth on the bench and he's part of it. And again, I do like, I think worst case scenario, he's your starting third baseman and is a bridge to Matt Shaw mid season. I think that's the worst case scenario. And depending on what else they do to the roster, I think I could probably get on board with it, but they obviously they just have to make the offense better. That includes bringing Cody Bellinger back and, you know, doing like whatever else there is. You know what I mean? So it, it is all based on what what else, whatever else they do. But if this roster looks like this and he's your starting third baseman, then I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be talking myself into a lot of things that's not gonna age well, probably. <laughs> uh, real real quick, I need to Godfather has mentioned this multiple times that apparently I have a spider on my wall. And now he tells me to look spider over, on your wall. Now he tells me to look over my right shoulder. I believe. How could you he's, possibly see a spider back? There? I believe he's talking about this, the thing right in the here. corner on the top. That's a doorknob, Godfather. That, that's a doorknob. <laughs> What's the thing in the top corner? What's the thing up in the that, ceiling in the corner? That's a vent. Oh, it's a vent. Okay, it's a vent. And then a little like thing over the well, vent. There could to, be a spider in there. You don't know what kind of vision I, I guess, Godfather yeah. has. Yeah, Godfather must have <laughs> X-ray vision if he's seen that. If he is Godfather spider. <laughs> Yeah, no, we got a vent, a big one. We got a vent and a doorknob. I'm trying to. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Got it right there. You're gonna um, be so amazed when you get up after this podcast. Walk over there, and there's a tiny spider <laughs> right above the doorknob. And you're gonna be like, "Holy cow!" Oh, okay. Godfather, the Godfather was right. <laughs> X-ray vision. Um, no, I yeah, Cody. I think like like you said, like maybe one of the worst case scenarios, or just you know not. Like the, again, the best scenario is right now Christopher Morrell figuring out how to lock down third base long term, right? Like that that's that would be huge for the Cubs considering the offensive potential, um, and you know 
just the 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 team control over him that they have uh, for the next four or five years, whatever it is. Um, like that would be huge for him. Like Patrick Wisdom, even like rediscovering his his form at third from like twenty twenty one would be pretty big, considering his ability to uh, you know his power numbers and what he could bring. And obviously, like we've seen him be really good at third base in the past. Um, but I mean, if it goes to Nick Madrigal and that's like, you know, Matt Shaw comes in a little past Matt's uh, mid season and he can take over that role. Like that's maybe not the most ideal scenario, but that's, you know, see how that works out. I, I, I again, I, I just think the, the, the better scenarios are one of morale or wisdom, just rediscovering or, or discovering for the first time, something at third base that can help them, at least lock down that position for the year or just play there consistently because of when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the offensive potential either of those two bring specifically or particularly Christopher Morrell. Uh, can Nick Madrigal get you through part of a season as a starting third baseman? I, I think last year showed that he, he can, but I don't know that I'd, I, I don't know that I would bank on it happening again, um, especially if this team is looking to be more improved than it was in 2023. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you that the scenario you, you probably don't you, you probably want the least out of those three scenarios is magical getting um, everyday third base time for the entire season. I, I, I don't think that's, mm-hmm. I don't think that's ideal. And again, I, I'll go back to like, he, he's got a role. I think he's got a role on a really good team. I just don't know that starting at third base is that, is that role. Yeah. And like, I know like some people have mentioned Michael Bush, but I think Michael Bush is more likely to be your DH or first baseman platoon what one of those two spots, but he does have experience playing there. I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm curious to how the Cubs feel about him over there. I know Jed Hoyer kind of mentioned like basic, like he can, like he's got experience at first base or he said something really related to him playing first base mm-hmm. at Cubs con. And maybe he's saying that publicly publicly because of uh, leverage reasons related to Cody Bellinger, but he is another guy that again, he's listed to be able to play third base um and has played it before so i, I don't know it, it's i guess that's something that we'll, we can monitor if we get the spring and and he's taking reps at third kind of like you know everyone freaking out or getting excited about owen casey playing first base today you know like <laughs> I, I don't know like, <laughs> rich got it there's a picture yeah it happened which by the way is exciting <laughs> in a way because it feels like the cubs are trying to find a position for him uh, because the outfield's pretty full, and he's basically be- came up as an outfielder. So um, he, he has a body for a first baseman. So I'm not surprised, and really, but well, it's why I'm surprised that you know, the, first of all, the minors are the place to learn that. You know that that's that's why Shaw is trying to figure out third base, be good at it. Yeah, but I, it's why I'm surprised that Madrigal really had never played third base at all. Like at some point they weren't yeah. like, take a couple grounders over there. Just think they thought he was second base shortstop maybe like, but never really thought that he would ever need 
to go to third base, and it's impressive. So I'm waiting to see which player in the Cubs organization will make the same kind of commitment this offseason and, frankly, shock most of the, the fan base with some sort of improvement in some sort of way that we just did not see coming. Because for me, Madrigal was the absolute answer. It was Bellinger's bounce back year was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. But even more shocking was that Madrigal could not only play third base, he played it at a level that I thought was way better than I expected. I think offensively, like we kind of talked about, you know, he doesn't walk a lot. He doesn't um, doesn't have power. He's a singles hitter or whatever. The thing, the thing is, is we've seen him go through like two, three week stretches where he's like playing at a at a level that we're like, who is this, and what yeah. happened to Nick Madrigal? Yeah, last year, last year it was when he came back from Iowa mm-hmm. after he really struggled like the first month and a half or two, whatever it was. Came back from Iowa and he went on an insane stretch, right? Yeah. Um, and then the year before that, he spent a lot of the year hurt. But he had a really good August in 2022, but then he got hurt again at the, before the end of that season. So a lot of it has, I do feel like, has been injuries and just the lack of inconsistency. But last year he went into the season, it was you didn't really know, like you didn't know if the Cubs were serious about him playing third base. And then we watched it play out, and he was really played a lot of third base. And like with the bat, it's just more about like those two to three week stretches that he had, they can't just like, to me, it just can't be a hot stretch. It has to be, there has to be something like a middling ground. You can't go from doing that to like basically not really having any value as a hitter. Cause that's basically what it felt like. Cause when he's not going well, let's be real. He hits a ton of ground balls at second base because he goes opposite field a ton but when he's going right, he's hitting line drives into the gaps. Even if they are singles, he's still hitting line drives uh, for hits. And that's how when he was with the White Sox, he hit 300 before he like tore his hamstring or whatever. And so it's like if he could figure out a way to be more consistent with the bat, there's more to like there. But obviously, he's been given a lot of run. Obviously, he's had a lot of major league experience to this point in his career. He's run out of time, man. And so it's like he's not – I don't blame fans for not wanting to buy into him or anything like that. So I think for him, if he's going to stick with the Cubs and have a bigger role, he's just got to find a way to hit more consistently. I wish you could just teach a guy how to have a better plate approach to where you walk more because he would be really effective if he could walk more on top of being able to hit – like have that contact bat. But the lack of walks – and the fact that he hasn't hit 300 with the Cubs, he brings little to no value with the bat unless you just need him to put the ball in play with a guy on third base in less than two outs. Yeah. No, I think that's a huge mm-hmm. thing. It's just getting, you know, you mentioned that stretch in, uh, after he came back from, um, from, from Iowa, after he got option and came back up. And I think that was in June. Um, and he had, he hit like 340 for that month. And it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't playing every day in June. Like, I think it was like 17 games, something like that. Like he had 340, had like eight high 800s OPS. Like that, like that's that stretch you were talking about. Um, and he has that in him. It's just, can he, can he do that? And it doesn't even have to be to that extent, but like, is he hitting 300 over a consistent, uh, uh, consistently over a long period? Like that's that, you know, it's an old school number, right? But for someone that, 
is an old school type of player. He doesn't hit for a ton of power. He doesn't walk a lot. He, he puts the ball and play a lot. Mm-hmm. Like having that higher average is, is it feels important for him. So no, I'm with you. Like, I, again, it's just, can he be the offensive player that comes need him to be consistently? We haven't really seen it in two years. Injuries have affected his first two years for sure too. But um, like, that's something he's got to prove because yeah. you have, Again, you, you have other guys coming through a system that could challenge him for that spot, or guys that are that are here right now that could challenge him for that spot. So he's got, he's definitely got something to prove this year for sure. You, you can argue Master Boney has a higher ceiling than Madrigal at this point. I think Master Boney has a better plate approach. Sure, Madrigal I think had more. The results were there, but he also had a ton of at bats where the results didn't come in terms of line drives that were caught and stuff like that. We talked about that a little bit on this podcast last year, and I'm not saying that Master Boney should be your starting third baseman at all. But when you're talking about the role on the bench, like they're basically the same player, except I think Master Boney walks more. And again, the play approach is better in my opinion. So, like. Do you, I don't think personally that you can have Madrigal and Mastroboni on your bench to open the year. One of them has to go to Iowa. I think Mastroboni is going to be that guy. But again, if they did trade Madrigal, it's like you can just insert Mastroboni into that bench role because I just I think they're the same player, you know. So, but also for everyone who always complains about how or not complains, but like. When we, me and Luke go on our tangents about giving Kyle Schwarber away for nothing or letting him walk for nothing, it's like the complete opposite with him and Nick Madrigal, right? Kyle Schwarber hits like 200, but hits 50 bombs and walks a ton, right? Madrigal doesn't hit any homers and he doesn't hit over 300. Like, that's like if you're going to be a guy who doesn't have power and you don't walk, you have to hit, dude. You have to find ways to get on base. And like that's like that's the difference. Like that's why Madrigal's value is just not up there right now. But yeah, that, that, we'll that's see. why I say he's got something major to prove this year that he can yep. do that consistently. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. It it may go all the way to spring training. It may go into the season. Um, maybe we'll get an answer to the, the questions even before they get to spring training. Uh, we want to thank Nick Madrigal for his time and being our guest on the CHGO Cubs podcast. Thank you for joining the live YouTube chat today. Appreciate all the comments out there. Shout out to everybody that was watching live. And uh, just know that we have more live guests coming up. If the weather permits us to go in studio tomorrow, we have a special live guest coming into studio tomorrow. I believe Corey's going to come in Thursday when we have our next interview coming from Cubs convention. And uh, it's another guy who made an impact on the team. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect from Merriweather, but not only did he turn out to be very effective for the Cubs, he was yet another really good interview for us here at uh, CHEO Cubs. So we appreciate that. That's on the way. And then we may have another big guest or two coming up next week. That's what we call a tease. Until then, thanks for watching the CHEO Cubs podcast. And don't forget, fly the W. We all silly like the mayor. 